I want to start by asking you a question. Are you well loved? It's an important question, and some would say it's the most important question. Not do you love well, but are you the object of somebody's love? Are you loved well? And if you are, how would you know? I'm going to be thinking about that this morning. I'm going to be thinking about the love that God shows to us in the Lord Jesus. Because we've started a new series last week. It's a four-week series. We've titled it For the Life of the World. And in thinking through this series, I want to imagine um, our future and I want us to remember where, who we are as a community, who we are and who we want to be. There's an element in which there's information here. It's a reminder of who we are, but there's also, I hope, a sense of the next couple of weeks of aspiration. Who is God changing us to be? Because I think one of the things that we want to be known for as a community, as God's people here at Point Church, we want to be able to say that when people look at us, we want people to say there, there are people there who are well loved. There are people there that know they are well loved. There's an acronym that's used these days called PDA. Does anyone know what the acronym PDA stands for? You might see it in celebrity magazines. PDA. There's a couple perhaps in close embrace. Embrace. PDA. No embrace. Thank you. Some of our younger young members are public displays of affection. And what we have here in Luke chapter 7 is an uncomfortable example of PDA. Let me set the scene. Jesus has been invited to the house of Simon. Simon is this religious political leader in the town. And the way that dinners were held back in the first century in Palestine, that they weren't necessarily set in you know, someone's nice dining room or their open plan kitchen. They were most often set in a courtyard. And guests wouldn't gather in chairs around a table, that they would lounge in big cushions or lounges with their feet out the back and they'd be propped up on the table in the middle on their elbows. And because in the ancient Middle East, it was a society that was a lot less private than ours, there would have been servers there, but there also would have been hanger honours, those who weren't invited, but those who would see, who would be walking past, they'd look into the courtyard and, and they'd want to see who was invited. What were they eating? Well, there's one that's at this dinner. And when she appears, she walks up behind Jesus and she's weeping, we are told. In fact, she's weeping uncontrollably so much that her tears are pooling below her. And this is quite the scene. So much that Luke wants to grab our attention. In the ESV, there in verse 37, he says, Behold, he says, Can you believe it? In verse 37, At this dinner... There is this woman, and she's bending down at Jesus' feet, and she's beginning to wash his feet, and 
what's important to remember is that, well, in the ancient world, there weren't manicured paths to walk. Feet were, dust, feet were, for, were dirty and dusty in a semi-arid climate. And as her tears fell on his feet, the dust might have turned to mud. And then the next thing she does is to take down her hair. And she starts to clean Jesus' feet with her hair. And then she begins to kiss Jesus' feet with her lips and to kiss them. And to kiss them. And then she takes a certain clay earthen jar, probably that was worn around her neck, that had some perfume or ointment in it. And she breaks it. And she rubs this precious oil upon Jesus' feet. Behold, Luke says. Can, can you believe it? In fact, can you imagine what it would have been like to be there? To have your arms propped up around the table. And to see this spectacle of this woman who's not been invited. Who's not the normal kind of polite dinner guest. How would you have felt if you were there? Probably, I'd say most of us would have felt a little uncomfortable. You probably would think it's a little too much. It's a little over the top. It's awkward. And perhaps it was awkward for Jesus. And perhaps this whole scene was awkward for the woman. It certainly was awkward for the guests who were there. I mean, why would she be doing this? Why would she be demeaning herself? And why would this gathering of the social elite be demeaned by this woman? These customs, these social rules are being broken left, right and centre and it gets worse because this woman is not unknown. In verse 37 we're told that this woman, well she lived a sinful life. Some translations um, Render it as a woman of the city. She's well known. She has a reputation, it would seem, but it's not a good one. And when Luke uses that word sinner, he's not talking about sin in general sense here. When Luke uses that word sinner, he's talking about a class or category of people. A sinner was a person who was so brash, and brazen with their moral transgressions that they brought disrepute upon Israel and upon their community. Most New Testament scholars believe that this woman was a prostitute. It's who she is that's the problem. It's also what she's doing. She's letting her hair down. She's washing Jesus' feet and it is outrageous and it is uncomfortable. And it is awkward to let your hair down was a provocative act. In fact, ancient sources say that if a woman was to let her hair down in public, she was liable for divorce. She's washing Jesus' feet. She's let her hair down to do it. Who she is what she's doing, and to whom. 
It's, in, it's uncomfortable and it's a bit too much. And Simon, the host of this dinner, is uncomfortable. And we get an insight into his mind there in verse 39. Have a look there. It says, if this man were a prophet, he would know who he is touching, who is touching him, and what kind of woman she is. But she's a sinner. Simon, this respected man of the community, cannot make sense of this interaction between Jesus and this woman. And maybe that's you too. We have two people apart from Jesus in this passage. And what's interesting about both people, both Simon and this woman, is they're both seeking to have a relationship with Jesus. Simon invites Jesus to his home and the woman too. She heard Jesus was there and she had come. And so both Simon and this woman seek Jesus, but at the end of the story we see two radically different experiences. Simon, the educated, logical, cool, sceptical thinker. What does he leave with? Well, he leaves with a lecture from Jesus. And this woman, this woman who is awkward by her presence, let alone her actions, what does she leave with? Well, she leaves with knowing that she is loved. She is uninhibited here. She doesn't, it seems as though she doesn't care. She doesn't care about what Simon's thinking. She doesn't care about what probably every other person at that dinner was thinking. She leaves knowing that she is loved well. Are you loved well? Can you relate to Simon? Sometimes I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I wish I was a little less inhibited. Not caring about what others thought, about what the crowd, what the crowd might think. And what if, what if you or I were so drawn to a person because you knew that you were loved? It just didn't matter what anyone else thought. Are you loved well? Here is a woman who is loved well. And when she is with Jesus, here at Jesus' feet, she knows it. And here at Jesus' feet, this woman is free. I don't know if you've ever been out to dinner and um, someone sneakily leaves the dinner and goes and pays the bill. Ever been in that situation? And sometimes it can, it can make you feel a little awkward, can't it? That's what acts of extraordinary generosity often do. They make you feel uncomfortable. And yet often when someone does that, say they pay a bill, it's, it's often coming from you know, a, a heart of extraordinary generosity. 
And often that heart that's extraordinarily generous is extraordinarily free. Here is Simon. He's not free. He's worried about what everyone's thinking. He's worried about what he's thinking. But here is this woman. She is free. And to be honest, when I look at that woman and I see her freedom there, I don't really understand it. But I know I want it. Makes me ask the question, what does she know about Jesus that I don't? She knows that she is loved well. Are you well loved? What was Simon's barrier? And what was this woman's secret? Because I think they're the same thing. I think it boils down, the answer to that question, what was Simon's barrier, what was her secret? The answer to that question boils down to two things. Firstly, it boils down to how they viewed themselves. And secondly, it boils down to how they viewed God. So firstly, how they viewed themselves. In verses 41 and verse 42, Jesus tells this story in response to Simon's outrage. He tells a story about this moneylender who has two debtors, one who is owed 50 denarii, about two months' wages, and the other who's owed 500 denarii, close to two years' wages. Two months versus two years'. And what the lender does is he cancels both their debts and Jesus asks Simon who was loved more. Simon says there in verse 43, the one whose debt debt was larger. And Jesus goes on in verses 44 and 46 to I think point to Simon and to say, Simon, that little story that I tell you It's not theoretical. It's not irrelevant to what you see before you. I'm drawing it out for you, Simon, Jesus is saying. You you might only owe 50 denarii. Because no doubt Simon did view himself as a better kind of person, a better kind of class of person. It's not true that the Pharisees thought they were perfect or thought that they didn't ever sin. That's not true at all. In fact, the Pharisees knew that they were sinful. That's why they had temples and sacrifices. He knew that he was a debtor. But Simon's issue is that I think he just doesn't think he's that bad. You see, this woman, she could not pretend. She knew her debt was deep. She'd probably stopped counting. You know, when, you know if things have gone so far... You just stop counting. I think that's where that woman was. She knew she was in debt deep and there was no way to get out. And Jesus compares, I think, these two, this woman and Simon, the one with little and the one with a lot. Perhaps if you were to ask Simon, Simon, tell me about your sin. Simon might have said, well, you you know, look, I I am a sinner and... You know, I really don't read my Bible often enough. I, you know, I, I don't pray often enough. I think that might have been Simon's response. And some of us can relate to Simon. We have this image of ourselves that we're actually not that bad. 
There's a sense that we have that we're not perfect, but we're good enough. But the thing about this woman and this man that we need to understand this morning is they have something in common. They both have a debt they can't pay. Simon knows he has a debt, but he doesn't realise he has a debt that he can't pay. It's two children I know. One child is like their father, and one child is like their mother. When these children go to the beach and their parents tell them to put on sunscreen, one of these children that I know they, uh, they put lots of sunscreen on. They put it everywhere. They put three coats on and they reapply every 10 minutes. The other child I know is a little more like his father. He thinks, nah, I, I don't really need that. I'll be fine. I'll be okay. And as I think about those two children, the difference is not that one needs the sunscreen and the other one doesn't. The difference is one knows he needs the sunscreen and the other one doesn't. And the same for us. The difference is some of us know deep down in our hearts that we have a debt towards God that we could never pay. That we are so far down and so deep in debt that sometimes we just we just stop counting. And some of us forget. And some of us forget that we have a debt. Do you have a debt? Is it just 50 denario that you're trying to pay off? This woman knows that she can't pay this debt off. She can't hide who she is. And often for those of us who think that our debt isn't so great, we we try and hide the reality of who we are. This woman can't hide. And the truth is that we're just like that woman before God. We can't hide the reality of who we are. We can't earn off the debt before God that we have by pretending to be better than we are, pretending to be better than we are to others, and worse of all, pretending to be better than we are before God. The secret to what this woman knew and what Simon didn't is how they see themselves before, how they see themselves, firstly, and secondly now, how they see God. See, what was Simon's barrier and the woman's secret? Have a look there in verse 39. When the Pharisee who invited him, that's Simon, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Simon assumes there in verse 39 that Jesus is a prophet and that if he is a prophet, he would be a man of God who represents God and God's ways to the world and he would know that God can't abide by the behaviour of this kind of woman. Simon knows God forgives sins. But just 
certain types of sins and certain types of sinners, perhaps like him, but not her. Notice that she's a sinner and she comes to Jesus. Back in the earlier section that we didn't read in verse 34, we read that Jesus is, as Luke describes him, a friend not of Pharisees and the religious elite, but he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Many scholars, in fact, think that this woman may have had a prior encounter with Jesus, that this wasn't, in fact, the first time she met Jesus. And they think that because of the tenses that are used there in verse 47, her many sins have been forgiven. It's in the past tense. And so she comes to Jesus... She comes to Jesus because she has already received forgiveness. So why would Jesus forgive her? Well, it's not because she's trying so hard. It's not because she's got her life together and she's doing so well. Why does Jesus forgive this woman? Well, the answer is in verse 50 there. It's her faith that saves her. Jesus says. Faith means trust. And here it's not trust in ourselves. It's not belief in ourselves. Faith here is the disposition of someone who knows they don't have the ability to do it themselves. She's believing in a God who forgives. We heard Psalm 86 read to us, and it's a plea from King David. King David knows this kind of God. He says in Psalm 86, verse 5, You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Perhaps the Pharisees saw themselves like just smaller versions of King David. Yes, they, they, would, have, they would have God's forgiveness. But here, this woman, this sinner, this woman so below, at least in the Pharisees' perception themselves, she knows God the same way David did. She knows God to be a God who loves and a God forgives and a God who forgives as she encounters Jesus, that, that he would forgive her, even her, and that he would love her even her, and that she had done nothing to deserve that love. Why would God forgive her? Only God knows. Simon couldn't explain it. That's why he, her actions are bewildering to him. Simon knew that God loved him because he was the kind of guy that God would love. In fact, perhaps it would be unjust not to forgive a person like Simon, only a a cruel God would not forgive and love Simon. But she knew that if God would love her, it was not because he had to. It was because he wanted to. Because he had, in fact, chosen to love her. And that made all the difference. You know, after COVID, or during the COVID period, a lot of libraries uh, cancelled their fines that were out, outstanding. Who's ever had a library fine? 
and, and felt a, quite some sense of guilt associated with that fine, am I right? And perhaps that, uh, that, that, that book on the library kind of just stares at you and you really want to take it back, but you know it is a bit awkward, and you feel so weighed down by the guilt that you never actually take it back. You know what happened to a lot of libraries that cancelled library fines during COVID? They were inundated with the return of books. This woman comes. She comes in to this dinner and everyone's looking at her and she doesn't care because she knows that she's been forgiven. She comes and she breaks that jar and that jar perhaps represented to her the most valuable thing in her life. It represented protection and security and yet she breaks it at Jesus' feet. How is it that she's able to give up what semblance of security and protection that she has in the world? How is she able to give that up? Well, she's able to give that up because she found someone who knew her and loved her just the same. And there's nothing more secure than that. Have you been well loved? This woman found what her heart desired. And she, in fact, found what Simon's heart desired. Jesus is saying to Simon, in this encounter, Simon, you look at this woman with disdain. Simon, you need to look at this woman for your salvation. You can have what she has. And in fact, I think Jesus is inviting Simon into the kind of relationship that this woman has with himself. He too can have that relationship. He can know that he is so well loved that it doesn't matter what anyone else Things. And this morning I think Jesus is reminding us, is reminding us that there is a debt that we cannot cancel, we cannot pay back, we cannot live a quality of perfect Christian life that will pay that debt off. Jesus in his death on the cross has completed his work. He's forgiven us finally and fully. And so Jesus is saying, I think to us this morning, look at this woman. And when you look at this woman, you can know that you've been loved by God. Let us do that. Amen. Please stand as we sing.